Let's have a copy of God's Word this morning. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter. We'll begin reading at verse 9 through verse 14. Talk about the Pharisee and the tax collector. If you have a King James Bible, it says the publican, but it's a tax collector. Nobody likes the tax man. I certainly don't. And unfortunately, it's tax season. When you find it, say amen. It'll be on the screen. It's on your outline as well. Luke 18, let's look, beginning at verse number 9, reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you God that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for your presence today and we thank you for the opportunity to open your word once again. And I pray today that you would speak to us from your word and I pray that you would give me the words to say. I ask that you open our hearts to receive what it is you want to say and I pray that we will be receptive to your words and I pray that when we leave, we will be changed. I pray that through your word you will convict, I pray that you will challenge, and I pray that you will conform us to your will and to your ways. And today, God, I pray that you will do the work that only you can do. And for all that's accomplished, we will give you praise and we will give you glory. For it's in the mighty, marvelous name of Jesus we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. In our passage, Jesus tells us a story about two men who went to the temple who experienced totally different results. One was a Pharisee. One was a tax collector. The Pharisee would have been considered a good man, a religious man, a very moral man. The tax collector would have been considered a bad man, the scum of society, a spiritual outcast. The text tells us that both men prayed, but the outcome of their prayer was different for both of them. One man was received by God, and the other man was refused and rejected by God. 
One man, the Pharisee, tried to talk himself into God's kingdom, but he didn't make it. And the other man, the tax collector, tried to talk himself out of God's kingdom, and he did make it. And Luke, as we open up the passage, makes it clear who Jesus told this parable to. Look again at verse number 2. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And so if you're here today and you want to know whether or not you're being addressed in this parable, let me just ask some questions. Do you ever look at people who don't go to church and think that you're better than they are because you go to church? If so, Jesus is talking to you. Do you ever look at people who may be in prison and think that you're better than they are because you're not? If so, Jesus is talking to you. Do you ever look at people that are divorced and think that because you're not divorced, you're better than they are? Jesus is talking to you. Do you ever look at people who are committing sins or have committed sins that you haven't committed and think that somehow you're better than you than they are, Jesus is talking to you. One final question. Do you ever look down your nose at anyone for any reason and think you might be better than them? If so, Jesus is talking to you. The reality is, this story can apply to all of us in some way. Because at some time, we've all been guilty at looking at other people and thinking we've been better than them. Amen? And so from this passage, I want to give you two simple lessons. Number one, you can be religious, but lost. You can be religious, but lost. Look at verse 11 and verse 12 again. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Some translations read, He stood by himself and prayed to himself. In other words, he's praying and he mentions the word God, but his prayer really goes no higher than his own lips. Because he's proud and he's arrogant and he's praying to himself about himself. Think about that. And he says, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. But here's the reality. He is like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. He even points the man out and compares himself. I'm not like that man. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Now here's what is interesting. Everything the Pharisee says about himself is true. We read he fasted twice a week. Now, the Old Testament only required a Jew to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. But this man fasted 103 times a year more than he was required. We also read that he tied everything that he possessed. In other words, he tied even on his spices. Everything he picked from his garden, he tithed on. You see, the Old Testament only required that you tithe your income, but this man tithe everything that he earned and everything that he bought. In other words, he was a double tither. He would give 20, 30% of everything. 
And so this man who looks so good on... But here's the thing. This man that looked so good on the outside was lost. This man who looked like what we think we'd like to look like, this man didn't make it. Although he was a good man, Jesus said he was going to hell. Hear me this morning. The problem is this man thought then what a lot of people think today. He thought his goodness gained him brownie points with God. He thought God accepts a person based on what they do for Him. And let me just stop right here and make an application. If you're trusting anything, church membership, church attendance, baptism, religion, good works, other than Jesus Christ to make you right with God and to get God to accept you, you are fooling yourself. You can be religious and you can be good and you can have all the Christian verbiage and you can have a cross around your neck and you can have Christian clothes with crosses and verses on them and still be lost. Amen. The Pharisee, he's religious and he's proud of it. He's proud of it. In fact, he had an eye problem. Five times you'll read the pronoun I in these two verses. He had an inflated view of who he was and a deflated view of who God was. The Pharisee had fooled himself about himself. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. But here's the thing. He was like other men because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He was like other men. But yeah, he said, I'm not a cheater. I'm not an adulterer. He said, I'm not a sinner. But yet he was a sinner. This Pharisee was trusting in himself and in his own effort. And as a result, he was refused and rejected by God. Hear me today. You can have all the religion you want and you can be as good as you want. But none of that will make you right with God. None of it will make you right with God. Here's the thing. God doesn't look at the external. God looks at the heart. Proverbs 21.2 People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. But yet what we do is we want to focus on the outside. Hey, look at me. Look at how well I'm dressed up today. Look at how good I am on the outside. But you can have all that and still be rotten and dirty on the inside. You can be a... Listen, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He, he, was, he was a religious man. And Jesus said, you must be born again. I started to preach last week. If I would have preached last week on the fact that Jesus tells religious people, I never knew you. They confess Him as Lord and they'll proclaim on that day, hey, we've prophesied, we've worked miracles, we've cast out demons, we've done many great things for you. And He'll stand before them and tell them, I never knew you. It is a sad thing to think that we can be on our way to heaven and yet in reality be on our way to hell because of things that we're doing. Good things that we think we're doing that somehow is getting us favor with God. And I just say to us today, don't think just because you come to church week after week and pay tithes and try not to sin that you're bound for heaven. If you've never trusted in Jesus, I don't care how many times you come to this church, how many times you read your Bible, 
how many times you pray, and how much money you give. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you're not going to heaven. You can be as religious as you want to and still be lost and have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And it's going to be a sad day for a lot of people who think they're going and they'll hear Jesus say, I never knew you. I know this ain't a shout message this morning. But this is a message that makes us go home and look in the mirror and have to examine ourselves. Hey, where do I stand with God? What am I trusting in? This is a message that we need to ask ourselves today. When I come to church, which, which picture am I? Am I the Pharisee or the tax collector? Because I'm afraid sometimes we come to church and we act like the Pharisee. God, I'm here. Aren't you glad I'm here at church again this week, God? That's the attitude we have sometimes. God, I made it again this week. Aren't you proud of me? And I tell you, if that's the way you can act when you come here, you won't leave justified. You, you, might leave, you might leave feeling good about yourself, but you won't leave justified. But if you'll walk in here like the tax collector, God, be merciful to me. Th- that's how you leave justified. When you throw yourself out the mercy of God. Which leads me to my second point. You can never be too bad to experience God's mercy. You can never be too bad to experience God's mercy. You see, the Pharisee thought he was so good, he didn't really need God. But the task letter, he's standing over there beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. In fact, I'm a sinner is not so great a translation Take the little word A out and replace it with the word the. He's actually saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He's saying, I'm a chief sinner. And he's saying, God, I need your mercy. Look at verse 13, 14. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He wouldn't even look towards God. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. And here's the thing. He didn't just beat it once, but he kept beating his chest, pounding his chest. As he prayed, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I am the sinner. It's as though he's saying, I'm the chief of sinners. And verse 14 says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. And it says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, tax collectors were the scum of Jewish society. They were the IRS of the Roman government. They charged exorbitant rates. They skimmed extra money off the top. They would steal candy from a baby and a welfare check from their own mother. They were the lowest of the low. They were considered traitors to the nation of Israel. In fact, they were so despised they couldn't hold public office or even give testimony in Jewish court because their word was worthless. They couldn't be trusted. And so the tax collector was to the Pharisee what an outlaw is to the sheriff. This man was no doubt a liar, a cheat, a traitor, a swindler, and a reprobate. But the text says he's the one who went home justified. This dirty, rotten, no good tax collector is the one who experienced the mercy of God. 
The good man in the story is the one who missed out. The good man had everything going for him, so to speak. And yet he missed out. And the rotten man, the bad man, he experienced the mercy of God. And it begs the question, why was the bad man saved? Why was he justified? The bad man was saved because of what he said when he prayed. He prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He prayed to the right person, God. He made the right request, be merciful. And he made the right confession, I'm a sinner. You see, he humbled himself and was honest enough to admit his condition. And as a result, God had mercy on him and he went home justified. He went home forgiven. He went home with the sin washed away. He went home in possession of eternal life. You see, the Pharisee thought he deserved it, but he missed it. Isn't that usually how it is? The people who think they deserve it usually miss it. The tax collector knew he didn't deserve it, and he knew he had nothing to offer. And because he knew he didn't deserve it, he received it. Hear what I'm about to say. The mercy of God comes to the people who seem to deserve it the least, and the mercy of God misses the people who think they deserve it the most. Let me just say this to you today. God's mercy is for those who don't deserve it. And if you've walked in here today somehow thinking you deserve it, you'll probably end up missing it. Notice the tax collector. He didn't defend himself. He didn't explain his sin. He didn't justify his rebellion. And he didn't vow to do better in the future. He simply pleaded for mercy. And God gave him mercy. Can I tell you what we do sometimes when we go to God in forgiveness? We say, God, forgive me of my sin and I promise to never do it again. Can I tell you what you're going to end up doing? You're going to embarrass yourself. Because you're promising to do something that you're probably going to do again. (laughs) Can I tell you what you need to do? Just throw yourself at the mercy of God and say, God, have mercy. God, have mercy. On me. You see, we need the mercy of God. And yet you want to know what kind of gets my blood boiling at times when people act like they don't need God's mercy. I said this uh, Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. I, I, I get sometimes a little irate when I see Christians acting like they don't need Jesus anymore. Like somehow they're going to pick themselves up by their bootstrap and they're going to live the Christian life by themselves and they no longer need Jesus. Listen, I needed Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to live it. I needed His grace to get saved. I needed His grace to stay saved. Amen? It's grace all the way. Amen? I can't do this without Him. I need Him. I need Him. It's only through Him that we make it. To close this morning, I want to just give you three principles. Not on the screen, but I'll, I'll give you a minute to fill in the blanks. Number one, this story teaches us about the danger of religious self-deception. It teaches us about the danger of religious self-deception. 
Hear me well this morning. There will be multiplied hundreds and thousands of people in hell who went to church, read the Bible, sang in the choir, served as ushers, had the religious routine down pat, who looked as good on the outside as the Pharisee looked. That might not shock you. That might not do anything to you, but that, that disturbs me. There's going to be preachers who stand in pulpits. It's going to one day miss heaven. Why? Because they had the form, but they didn't have the reality of Jesus Christ within. Don't be deceived into thinking that because you come to this church, or any church for that matter, you're going to heaven. I just want to be real and plain with you today as best I can. You don't go to heaven because you go to a good church. You don't go to heaven because you go through the religious motions. The Pharisee went through all the religious motions and the motions he went through were good. He fasted. He fasted more than we do. We think we're something because we have a 21 day fast at the beginning of the year. But can I promise you, most of us probably never fast any other time of the year. He fasted twice a week. In fact, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, didn't he? Uh Uh-oh. Pharisees got his beat, don't they? Nothing he claimed, nothing the Pharisee claimed was untrue. All the things he were doing were good things. But because it was all outward, he walked away deceived, and unjustified. Hear me well. Religion, even good religion, leads you to hell instead of heaven if it's not accompanied by a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me give you some reasons. Number one, it makes you focus on the external. Now, I've done said this, but listen, if all you have is something going on on the outside and nothing taking place on the inside, it don't matter what's on the outside. There's got to be a change on the inside. Amen? And listen, if there's something that's happened on the inside, it'll work its way outside. But let me just say this. I, 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 oh, I, I, I get a little irate and fed up with people who want to boast about their holiness. It kind of gets my blood boiling when I get people who want to boast and have pride about their holiness. Listen, you, you, you can't be proud about how holy you are. If you're proud about how holy you are, I I can lump you in the category with the Pharisees. Because they were proud about how holy they were. Weren't they? And they looked good on the outside. But Jesus said on the inside they were full of corruption, and they were dead, and they were full of hypocrisy. Number two, If you focus on religion, it makes you feel spiritually superior. This isn't the second principle, but just the second reason why you can't focus on religion. Listen, if you get caught up in religion, you'll feel better and superior than people. You'll walk around like the Pharisees with your chest poked out, like you're better. Isn't that why Jesus wrote this story? Talk, told it. 
They despise people. Look down on people. Number three, it makes you look down your nose at other people. And number four, it draws you away from a total dependence upon God. Listen, when people get caught up in religion, you stop trusting in Jesus and you start trusting in yourself. Religion, even good religion without Jesus, will send you to hell. And you want to know what makes it so dangerous? Without a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, religion leads you to hell while making you think you're going to hell. As I said earlier, this is a story that ought to make us go home and look in the mirror. You see, here's the question. The question is not, does my life show the fruit? That's a good question, but that's not the question of this passage because the Pharisee had all the fruit. Here's the thing, he didn't have the root. He had all the right stuff on the outside. So that's not really the question. The question is, do you have Jesus Christ on the inside or are you just playing church and just going through the motions? Here's the second principle. God looks at things differently than we do. God looks at things differently than we do. When we get to heaven, we're going to discover two things that will startle us first. We're going to be startled to find many people there we didn't expect to see there. We're going to find God let some people in we wouldn't let in. It's a good thing you and I aren't God. Because if I were God, I probably wouldn't let some of you in. You probably wouldn't let me in. Let's just be honest. We're going to find that He had grace on those that we wouldn't have had grace on. We're going to find that He reached out and forgiveness to people that we wouldn't have had anything to do with. Second, when we get to heaven, we're going to discover that some people we would have bet anything would be there aren't going to be there. Some of the people you you would have bet your life. You'd go into your bank account thinking, I know they're going to be there. Not going to be there. Can I just say something to you? You, you? you better not ever stake your life on a person of saying, I know where they are. Because the reality is, we don't ever really know where a person is. That's why when it comes to funerals, we have to be very careful about where we're going to preach a person. I think as best I did yesterday, I, did, I didn't put her in either place. I, I just did my best to try to preach the gospel yesterday, comfort the family. Because we don't really know. People can live exemplary lives, but at the end of the day, here, here's the thing. Here's what I can tell people if they ever ask me, where's my loved one? They're in the hands of God. They're in the hands of God. Because here's the thing, when we leave this life, it's appointed a man to die once, and then the judgment, they're in the hands of God. Basically, we leave this world, we get an exit interview. We stand before God. We're in His hands. That's the truth, isn't it? Here's the thing. There's going to be people we think wouldn't make it, it's going to make it. There's going to be people that we thought would have made it, not make it. 
I want all of us that are here today that have professed to know Jesus, I want us to make it. Should there come a day that you leave this world and I, I'm still here as your pastor and you afford me the opportunity to preach your funeral, I want to be able to say, and be able to say confidently that, that I think I know where you are. That because you've believed in Jesus and lived a Christian life, I, I want to be able to somewhat say with confidence that yes, they believed in Jesus. Let me give you this third principle. Your only hope of going to heaven is to do what this bad man did. Your only hope of heaven is to do what this bad man did. What did he do? You cry out to God for His mercy on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's plain and that's as simple as I can say it. And can I tell you, that's a prayer God delights to answer. It's a simple prayer. God be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, if you'd say that prayer and understand that prayer in its fullest meaning, you could be certain of heaven right now. God be merciful to me, a sinner. But can I be honest with you? I say that many times. And my walk with God, God be merciful to me. I've sinned. And here's the thing, if that offends you, I apologize. You don't have a perfect pastor. God's still sanctifying me. God's still working in me. And so there are times I have to say, God be merciful to me. Because I know without it, I can't make it. Amen. And can I tell you, it would do us awesome good sometimes just to cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We'd all do good sometimes to be like the prodigal son. Father, I have sinned against you. And just throw ourselves at His mercy. Instead of going in there saying, God, I promise I'll never do this, and God, I vow to never do this, just, just God be merciful to me. And if you'll throw yourself at His mercy, you'll find that His mercies are new every morning. And His faithfulness is great. Amen? Because here's the thing, you'll never be good enough to be accepted on your own. But you can never do something so bad and be so bad that God can't be merciful. And I believe that's the main takeaway from this story. That you can't be good enough to be right on your own. But you can't be so bad that God can't be merciful. I close this morning. One man went to church and he left with nothing. He went through the rituals. He judged others by his standards. He prayed his self-serving prayers. He worshipped himself and he went home feeling good about himself. But he received nothing from God for his efforts. The other man went to church and left with everything. He didn't make a spiritual show. He prayed a simple prayer. He offered God honesty, confession, and worship. And he left church right with God. What was the difference between the two? The difference was in the attitude and condition of their hearts. 
One was full of himself and thought he needed nothing more. The other knew he was nothing and had nothing to offer. He humbled himself before God and he was blessed. And so I asked you this morning, how do you come to church? How do you see others around you who don't do things to your standard? When you leave church, do you feel better about yourself? If that's all you get, then you've missed it all. Or when you leave, do you feel as though you've had a spiritual bath? Do you feel as though you've been bathed in the Word and that the Spirit has washed you? When you leave here today, do you feel as though I've been in the presence of God and I've been honest and open with Him and God has cleansed me? Have you been honest about your sins and honest before God? If that's how you feel when you leave, you leave here with everything. But if you've walked in here today and put on a show and walked in here proud as though somehow God's pleased because you're here, You've missed the point of being here. Amen. You see, there's a right and wrong way to come to church. We can come like the Pharisee or we can come like the tax collector. We'd get more out of this if we'd come like the tax collector. God be merciful to me. We come here knowing that we really don't have anything to offer to Him. But we owe everything to Him. Amen. Say, God be merciful. Would you stand with me?